Thank you for joining me on this conversation with Jeremy Alder. Um, Jeremy is a comedian from Durham, North Carolina. I actually saw him at a open mic a few weeks ago, and he really fascinated me because, for one, I mean, he was funniest of all the people, and then two, he talked about difficult things in his life in a calm and collected way. He wasn't scared to talk about them, even amongst people he didn't even know. So that was really cool to me. But comedians in general, I think, are important because hopefully they keep allowing us to laugh at ourselves. I mean, that's what I heard from Joe Rogan, you know, the wise and great philosopher Joe Rogan. But anyways, I mean, I thought it was true. It's like comedians hopefully show us where we're messing up, show us where we're being hypocritical, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy and I got to talk about some pretty difficult things, so I'd recommend not listening to this in a work setting. But I hope the concepts don't scare you away. Like I think they're important to talk about. I think that they're important not to be stigmatized or shied away from. But I thought it was a great conversation, and I hope you do too. Hello, Mr. Jeremy Alder. How are you doing? Hello, Mr. Cole. I'm doing good, man. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having me. No problem. I uh, watched your special last week, which, like, I'm still kind of having a hard time understanding what is what is a special. Because like, you hear a comic say it, and I'm like, that sounds really impressive, but I don't. I still don't really know what it is. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's uh, just any, uh, I guess, professionally produced recording. Okay. Um, yeah, visual recording. I mean, some people, uh, the a lot of people now produce their own. You know, they'll just record them and put them up on YouTube and and call it a special. Yeah. Um, so you know that uh, the one you watched, the Dry Bar Comedy mm-hmm. Special, um, that is uh, that's a Dry Bar is uh, a company out of Utah that specializes in like clean family-friendly comedy. Mm. And so um, they had me out to do, um, they have a a studio in Provo, Utah. Um, It's like a comedy club slash studio. It's where they film all of their specials. They then put up on their own dedicated platform. Um, And uh, and it's fairly short. It was only 25 minutes. which was good for me because that's about all of the squeaky clean material that I could <laughs> come up with. Um, yeah, because they're pretty strict, um, you know, about about that stuff there. So yeah, uh, but yeah, it was fun to do. Thank you for watching it. I hope hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it. No, I did. I thought it was uh, like I don't know of many, like especially whenever I was watching your set in Durham. So for people who don't know, I saw Jeremy at an open mic in Durham and I was like, this guy's funny. And he sounded like he had a super similar background to me. And then I reached out to him through his website and he was, he just talked to me like I was, you know, he was just like, yeah, I'll do it. And then, but yeah, even as you do the special, I was recognizing like the content you had was different. And like you said, you had that family friendly confident or family friendly content in Utah. Like, is that something that you were, like intentional about, or is that just kind of how your comedy came about in the first place? Well, with the dry bar special, I was more intentional about it than 
usual because yeah. it's, you know, it's required. Um, but I do tend to write uh, fairly, I'm not a dirty or edgy comic, yeah. um, naturally. I, I naturally write stuff about my life, which is mostly about, you know, growing up homeschooled, growing up, uh, you know, pretty sheltered, conservative, religious upbringing in Texas, and yeah. then becoming a dad very young, having lots of kids. Um, and so that's a lot of what I talk about. So, um, so, so I tend to write pretty clean and I am, I, I am somewhat intentional about that. Um, because, uh, I like the challenge of writing clean. I think it's harder mm. and, uh, you get more work and opportunities if you can do, um, clean comedy, um, People have different definitions of, of clean. Um, you know, for some people, it's just don't use, you know, cuss words. Yeah. Other people, it means avoiding certain topics, you know, like sex or drugs or religion, which I do have material about. But I, I like yeah. to try and do jokes about, even jokes about sex or drugs, do them in a, in a way that kind of walks the line that could pass as clean comedy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm naturally a pretty, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a particularly dirty mind. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't, I, I kind of naturally, yeah, tend yeah. to write, um, pretty clean stuff. Yeah. Okay. I want to come back to, like the content later, but I do want to hear more about like your beginnings in, cause what it seemed like whenever I listened to you in Durham, it was like you were in like remote, like it wasn't, you had like a few friends, but it wasn't like you were in a neighborhood. It wasn't like you had constant fellowship with other people. It was like you had your brother and you had your family and that was pretty much it. Like, how do you think that kind of shaped your childhood? Like you talk about how it kind of made you, like not, I don't think you necessarily said awkward, but it's like, it's just different growing up in an environment like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for one thing, I was around adults a lot more than I was kids during the day because uh, when you're home or running errands with your mom during the school week, there's no kids around. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just other adults. Um, and so... Yeah, so I feel like I interacted and learned to interact with adults a lot, uh, a, a lot more comfortably and maybe quicker than a lot of my peers. The flip side of that, uh, I was more awkward relating to people <laughs> my age, you know, and yeah. uh, because we did, um, but we were kind of in a neighborhood, but. Um, you know, we had a few acres and, uh, some animals and, you know, we were kind of, I guess, some urban homesteaders or suburban homesteaders before that was a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we were, um, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't interact with a lot of, a lot of people my age really outside of church that was kind of the main place where I'd hang out with kids I mean I had a couple of uh 
friends in the neighborhood, but, um, you know, their life was very different from mine because they'd be gone all day at school yeah. and I'd be home all day <laughs> yeah. doing schoolwork or, you know, um, taking care of the animals or the garden or, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then basketball, whatever. So you think about like just constantly being surrounded by like this similar, like similar beliefs, similar, like same thing you've been hearing for a long time. And I know you, we kind of talked a little bit about how you went to college and you had like the beliefs that you kind of had, like you carried on the beliefs that you had, but was it whenever you faced ideas that were different or that were like conflicting to, you know, like the Christian values or the things like that, what would be the reaction among your family? Was it like stereotypical sheltered conservative where it's like, no, 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 I can listen to that. Or it was like, yeah, that's, that's a real thing that like, let's talk about it. You know, it was mixed. I mean, uh, my parents were very protective of what influences they allowed. So, uh, we didn't have a TV for most Mm. of my growing up. Um, weren't allowed to listen to, you know, secular radio or have Mm. secular music in the house. Um, and I didn't go to public school. So, uh, so I was pretty limited in terms of, uh, you know, pop culture influence or the influence of other, um, I guess, ways of thinking and being, but not completely. My, my mom, I feel like both my parents encouraged us to, to think and, and ask questions. Um, uh, I guess we were just limited on what resources we could draw from to answer those questions. Um, you know, uh, and so, yeah, so most of my kind of view of the world growing up was determined by, uh, you know, by the Bible and by church and, uh, definitely, you know, we were given the impression that everything outside of that was, uh, tainted and, mm-hmm. you know, probably bad. You know, I never heard a good word about public schools. Mm. Um, you know, that was all the world. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the world was, was bad and, and, and scary and, uh, you know, you needed to be protected from it. Um, and my parents, go to UT. they softened on that later, but yeah, <laughs> well, by then, yeah. um, you know, by then, uh, as I kind of grew into later teenage years, I guess, 16, 17, um, my parents, uh, I guess were less strict um, they, they had started to relax about things. Uh, we did get the internet and, uh, we got a television Yeah. and once I was able to drive, they couldn't really control what music I listened to or, yeah. you know, what movies I went to see, um, who I hung out with. So, and I had an older brother who had already moved out and he was, uh, you know, he, he was pretty, uh, 
he had already left the church and decided that, you know, uh, he'd abandoned the faith and, um, he, uh, was a pretty critical thinker and skeptic. And, you know, um, we started to have a lot of conversations about what we had been raised to believe and how it conflicted with, you know, modern science or whatever. Mm. So we had a lot of good conversations. So I had already started becoming aware, you know, um, uh, of other ways of thinking. And um, uh, in fact, I I ended up leaving. uh, I stopped going to church uh, when I was, uh, I think I was late, yeah, 16 or 17. I started going myself. I started having questions. It just didn't feel, um, uh, yeah, like my think, my way of thinking and my questions were valued or respected at, at church. So I stopped going to youth group, but kept most, kept my friends there and was in a band, um, (laughs) with some youth group guys. And, uh, you know, and we went and played everywhere. We played bars and oh wow, you know, I didn't know that. stuff. Cool. And and so we, um, you know, I, I wasn't completely sheltered. By the time I ended up at UT, you know, I was pretty fully aware of what <laughs> the options were in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and in fact, when I entered UT, I, I didn't consider myself uh, a Christian Interesting. Uh, anymore. So that that kind of came back around later but then you get married right you got married what at 19 did you say uh 20 20 20 yeah i think i was 20 when we actually got married yeah okay and then you had what you said four kids in a matter of how long was that time span oh man um by the time i was 30 okay yeah but you had kids at UT, and so was, yes. like you were telling me that was such a different yeah, experience yeah. in a lot yeah, of Yeah, sophomore people. year we had my our first. That's crazy. Yeah, the year, year after crazy. we got married. Yeah, and then uh, and then had our second the year I graduated. Okay. Yeah. How do you think that changed? Like, do you think that because I don't know, college seems like a really forming time for a lot of people. Do you think that? like the birth of a child at 21 or like 22, not necessarily like put you above other people, but it like, how do you think that differed you from people around you who are in college and doing like the typical college thing? Well, it made me pretty boring. I think <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I just didn't have any time to do yeah. anything except, uh, work, school and family, mm. you know? So, um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, and it grew me up. Obviously, you got to grow up fast. You have a lot of responsibility, you know. Um, you got to take care of a kid now. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, it was grounding in a way. It was probably good because um, it kept me focused. It taught me how to really value my time and, and structure my time so that I could uh, you know, get everything done that I needed to get done. Um, mm. you know, while the, while the baby was sleeping or yeah. whatever. Um, and before I had to go to work or whatever. Uh, yeah. 
So, so yeah, so I think it, you know, it forced me to be pretty disciplined and I think homeschooling maybe helped with that because, um, you know, being homeschooled, I kind of had to structure my own day and learn how, you know, I kind of had my work laid out for me each day. Like, this is what you need to get done. But it was kind of on my own time. And I learned, well, the quicker I get this stuff done, the quicker I can go do the other stuff that I want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So I learned how to kind of focus and and get my work done and kind of find motivation in myself without someone having to tell me, you got to be here at this time for this class and whatever. So, um, so I was used to kind of setting my own schedule and, uh, and, and kind of being self-motivated, you know? Yeah. So I think that helped, uh, with college, you know, and kind of juggling everything. And so, so you were studying philosophy at UT, right? Wasn't that, is that what you told me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, philosophy and biology. Philosophy. That's an interesting combination. Philosophy yeah. and biology. Yeah. That was really, I was really interested. I was really asking a lot of questions about, you know, like evolutionary theory and, yeah. uh, and, and it's intersection with, um, with kind of the Christian story and, the Bible and, um, you know, it was just thinking through a lot of those, um, those kind of big theological and scientific questions. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I started out as a bio major and took a philosophy course and was a double major for a while. Um, and then ended up dropping the biology and just finished with a, with a philosophy degree. I realized that I, once I, they started um, having me do work in a lab, I was like, this is really boring. <laughs> um, like just, I don't know. I have so, so much admiration for scientists, just the, the patience and the attention to detail uh, that it takes to be a good scientist. Uh, I just don't have it. <laughs> and I, I was just more interested in kind of the bigger questions like, well, what are the implications of all of this for like yeah. how we live or yeah, no, it what is. we think about the world? So philosophy scratched that itch yeah. more. Who would be like me. the types of people? Because I mean, I can't imagine like the differences. Like I know you said you were kind of to come out of your shell, but like you come from you know, suburban homestead, Texas to UT, which is probably like a melting pot probably. And it's like philosophy majors. Like, how do you think those interactions, like, how would you describe those interactions? Would you say, it seems like that'd be insane to talk, like to come from that background. Um, I don't know. I made a lot of good friends. Uh, you know, I wasn't the only person asking these types of questions there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, there were some really good professors that kind of understood where I was coming from and were, were, um, were open and, uh, um, you know, kind of helped me think through these things. Uh, it's a really great uh, department. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that, you know, obviously thought that everything I was raised to believe was complete and total bullshit. Mm. And, um, but I enjoyed it. 
Like yeah. I, 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 I like debate. I like, I'm not afraid of conflict. Uh, I was genuinely interested in trying to understand the world and myself. And so, um, you know, I wasn't afraid of the, the questions, um, yeah. or the differences, you know, it was just really interesting. It was exciting to me is, you know, I was just, I was really hungry for it cause I, it had been kind of kept from me for so long. So, um, yeah, I was like, Oh my God, there's this whole <laughs> world out there. You yeah. Know, that's, uh, it's really interesting and wonderful. So do you think, so I love school. I loved, I loved, college i mean i didn't really like school growing up but once i got to college and just like uh just kind of had that um access to knowledge yeah you know i was like wow this is amazing you know i didn't take it for granted at all i really and maybe because i was homeschooled i appreciated it more you know and uh, the yeah. fact i was the only person in my family that went to college wow so, okay yeah i do remember that now yeah, let's yeah, see. None, none of my siblings went. My parents didn't go, so it was a it was an adventure. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of guidance, you know. Yeah, um, I just kind of figured it out. Thank God for the internet. <laughs> yeah, because I really that's how I kind of figured it all out. You know, hmm. my parents didn't really know how to help me. Hmm. Um, Do you think so, that like the internet was like? Did you? trust the internet like do you think that you almost because like you know here's the stereotypes now where it's like well it's on the internet so it must be true was that like if you look back and think about how you thought about the internet was that kind of your perception too is like oh yeah i trust it because it's on this you know worldwide web no um i mean i don't know it was a the internet was different back then i mean it seems like a lot of people used it for message boards and chat and um downloading illegal music files um, <laughs> which is how i used it mostly um so but you know just the fact that i could i could go to the university of texas website and figure out how to apply yeah you know because i didn't have i couldn't go to a school counselor and be like how do i do this you know Hmm. Um, oh yeah because you're homeschooled yeah so yeah so it was like who's gonna help me do where where do i even go who do i talk to but yeah yeah, because of the internet i was able to just kind of figure it out you know um which is cool and it wasn't a direct line actually to ut i actually started out at community college okay for a semester and that was more of a culture culture shock i remember i dropped out after half a semester (laughs) oh wow this is too much. Um, yeah, and I remember I was I was uh, I took an English class, and he the teacher assigned a book, and um, it had a really graphic sex scene in it, mm. and I was like, "Ooh, wow, that's I don't know how I feel about this." Yeah, you know, like obviously I'm a teenager, so I'm like I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> 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 There's definitely one way I felt about it. Yeah. Uh, was I felt great about it. But there was another part of me that was like, is this okay? I'm not mm. sure this is okay. And um, and also at the time, like I realized I didn't really want to be in school anymore. I wanted a break. And I was just kind of 
doing it because that's, I didn't know what else to do. So I dropped out of community college and just worked, worked at the, uh, the music department of a Christian bookstore in San Antonio. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, did that for a while. And then, um, and then when it started at UT San Antonio, um, because that was, I could still live with my parents and, um, and then transferred from there to UT Austin. So all in all, it took me like five or six years to, to finish school. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm interested to see the path, like, cause you're just talking about, like you see this, you know, graphic sex scene in a book, like, which is obviously, you know, worlds apart from what you've been raised not world's partner necessarily, but it's just different. And like, do you think that it was the Christian worldview that was pushing that feeling within you? Or do you think it was like just your internal idea of like, I don't know if I want to be reading about someone else's sex life. How do you think those intertwined and kind of changed as you went from high school or from homeschool to high school to UT? Like how did that yeah. change? No, I think I was only taught to be afraid of sex. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, outside of like, you know, marriage. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I think it, yeah, I think it scared me. I was like, I don't know if it's okay for me to, to read this, to have these thoughts, to have these feelings, like, am I sinning? Am I, yeah. you know, uh, what, what, what's, what's going on here? So I think I didn't like, yeah. or I didn't know how to process or just be okay with it. You know, uh, it felt like such this huge, weighty, scary thing. Um, and it took me years, I think, to get past that, you know? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot, uh, you know, conservative Christian um, messaging around sex does a lot of damage to a lot of people. I've seen it for, for a lot of people. Uh, me included. And, uh, so it's taken me a, a long time, a lot of experience and a lot of therapy and, uh, and whatnot to, to work through a lot of that, you know? Mm. So, okay. I want to hear uh, more about that. What do you, what makes you say that ideology kind of damages people? I mean, how have you seen that? I think it makes people afraid of their own bodies, mm. afraid of the just kind of very natural, you know, uh, feelings uh, yeah. that that people have and natural bodily functions, um, and it puts sex on this pedestal, kind of separate from other human activity, and gives it gives it this. Uh, I, I feel like disproportionate weight and gravity and mm. um, and seriousness. And, uh, once you, once you've had sex, you realize well, that was it. Like, that was, really? I'm not a fundamentally different person now. Mm. Like I just did this thing and now it's over and I'm still me and they're still them. And like, yeah, what, nothing happened. Like, what is, yeah. you know, uh, it's just not that, it's just not that big a deal. So all of this like internal, uh, wrestling with you know feelings of guilt and shame and, and confusion and it's just like 
it's so unnecessary and I feel like so un, un, unhealthy for human development. <laughs> um, and uh, it causes people a lot of times to be secretive about their sexual <laughs> interests and lives and thoughts. And, um, and then uh, that leads to, you know, I think people acting out in unhealthy ways mm. and, um, and, you know, can lead to all kinds of, you know, uh, deceptive or addictive kind of uh, practices around sex, mm. um, you know, so... Yeah, so I just, you know, I think it's really bad, and I've taken a much different approach with my kids. You know, I think <laughs> sex is a fundamentally uh, absurd and funny human activity. And um, it is, um, it, you know, it can have serious consequences, uh, for sure. Um, you know, raising a kid uh, is a big deal. Um, or choosing to end a pregnancy is also a big deal. So mm. it can put you in a tough situation. And obviously there's other, you know, STDs and stuff you got to worry about. But yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, I want my kids to uh, see sex as something, you know, fundamentally uh, interesting, exciting, and joyful and fun. And, um, and, uh, you know, obviously to only be engaged in with mutual consent. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I don't want them feeling a lot of guilt and shame about it. And, I, and I've told them you're naturally, you know, I just remember growing up and like, if, uh, if I'd be over at a friend's house or something and like a sex scene would come on TV I would just feel so like ashamed and embarrassed and like, mm. but like, no, it's, it's totally normal and good for a 14 year old boy to want to see titties. Like, it's like, that's fine. Yeah. Mm. Look at them and celebrate them. They're great. Everybody loves titties. Like that's, that's like universal if we're honest. <laughs> so, yeah. so don't, you don't need to feel bad about it, mm. you know? Um, and, you know, I try and communicate that to my kids, you know, like it, it's okay to, yeah, we, we like the human body is a, is a, a beautiful thing and it's to be, you know, viewed that way. Um, and, uh, yeah, so anyway, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's something that I think, um, uh, I've tried to communicate to my kids and hopefully it takes and they have a, a much less torturous relationship to, mm. to sex. Yeah. yeah. The, oh, that's the only thing I think of like whenever I talk about it with you is like, like it does seem like Christianity, like the ideas around like educating kids about sex is like, it just seems like if they're not going to learn from you, like they're going to go learn from like pornography or they're going to yeah. go learn from other things where it's like, I don't know if your viewpoint about pornography, but it just seems like pornography is such a 
like a it's just an unhealthy way to learn about it. to me that's what i think yeah. is like like this isn't real like this isn't yeah. this isn't how it is man like this isn't an authentic yeah. connection with a woman or a man like yeah this isn't it and it's yeah. like that's the only thing is i think i don't know it just seems like that's one way that like if you say like you said if it's just like no no, no i'm not gonna talk about sex we're not gonna talk about anything like that it's like okay well i'm gonna go watch porn because my iphone browser can do all these insane things yeah yeah i don't know especially pornography it's crazy and so I've been real open with my boys about pornography. Um, and, you know, I've told them I, I don't want you watching pornography. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it is. Uh, it gives you a healthy, realistic understanding of, of sex and relationships. But if you do watch pornography, if you do want to, it doesn't make you bad. That's totally normal. Of course you're going to want to see that. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Um, but, you know, if you want real answers about sex, you know, talk to me or some other adult that you trust that's actually been in a real relationship, yeah. you know, with somebody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I... I uh, for me, you know, my, uh, you know, uh, kind of experiences with pornography were so, uh, there was filled with so much guilt and shame and, mm-hmm. um, and secrecy, which, um, gave it even more power. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so I feel like getting rid of that allows people to have a healthier relationship to pornography because every kid now is going to have a relationship to pornography. Mm. There's just no avoiding it anymore. Um, And as parents, we're not going to be able to control it. You know, Uh, like like I say in that, you know, uh, one of my bits, you know, there's no way to, if they want to see it, they're going to see it. Yeah, that's true. And so, you, you know, um, you're not going to be able to keep it from them. So uh, it's just ha- helping them think and feel um, more, uh, I don't know, healthily around it. Um, yeah. You know, so in uh, keeping the communication open about it. So, yeah. Okay. I yeah. do want to come back to the idea of like, because that is a viewpoint that like from Christianity, I do like, it does seem like, sex for like is like you said i'm sure it's like yeah you know like it's just this like it really doesn't like you have sex and it doesn't change something but it does seem like there is so much weight around like a sexual relationship that like you said it can have so many different consequences like you can have a kid at you know 18 or 16 or you can get an scd or you can get like all these different things come from it so how would you draw the line between like like you said, like not just stigmatizing it, being like, no, 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 no. But also like telling your kids, like, look, man, like it's not a joke. Like it, it's a serious thing that has serious ramifications. Yeah. Well, I think exactly like that. Say like, mm-hmm. look, it should be, it should be fun and joyful and, uh, and all of that. Um, but you need to 
be aware of the very real consequences um, that that can come along with it and be prepared for that Mm -hmm. and, you know, and decide whether it's worth the risk for you right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I tell, you know, my younger boys, uh, or at least like my, uh, 15 year old, you know, I've told him, you're, I don't think you're ready. I don't want you mm. engaging in sexual activity right now. Cause you're really not prepared mm. for the consequences. It could really derail your life right now. So, um, you know, I make clear where I stand also realizing like, Hey, if you know, I know you can, um, get away with it if you want to, but you know, yeah. here's my thinking on it. You know, yeah. as your dad and take it or leave it, you know, but I'm not, yeah. Yeah. uh, there's only so much I can do, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, just hope, have a good enough relationship with them where if they get into a situation, they'll talk to me about it, you know, or if they have questions, they'll talk to me about it. Um, and you know, they don't, they're not going to be afraid, you know? Um, yeah. So have you seen the kind of a difference is like, I'm sure if I were to just infer it, you probably couldn't have had that conversation with like your mom or your dad. I don't know if you could have had that conversation with your mom and your dad. Like, look, I want to go have sex with this person. Like, how do you see that difference between like, do you think that that was healthy in any way in that your parents were like, look, like, do you think that was healthy in any way that your parents were like, I don't want to talk about it. Well, it wasn't even that they didn't want to talk about it. I, they, they had this, uh, this idea of, uh, of soul ties. Are you familiar with this? No, no, no. Uh, the idea that, um, when every time you have sex with a person, you, you leave a little bit of your soul with them Mm. and, and they leave a little bit of their soul with you. Like you're tied Mm. together uh, forever. Yeah. And so, um, you know, what was communicated was just that this is, this is like the decision to have sex is like possibly the most important high stakes decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you, uh, if you mess it up, you know, it's going to have uh, effects that will stay with you for eternity. Mm. <laughs> so that's just too much to mm. <laughs> process. I mean, it's a crazy idea. Yeah, it's a crazy idea. Uh, but when it's communicated to you as a kid from your parents, you're just like, okay, all right, I guess that's how it works. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I mean, if any good came out of it, I was never flippant about sex. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Uh, I was careful <laughs> and thoughtful, not yeah. careful enough to avoid four kids in 10 years, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I was aware yeah. uh, uh, that there are stakes involved. Um, they just weren't nearly as high as uh, it was made out to be. So that's a conversation I was having with my friend. It's like, look, we come from 
the Christian worldview. So I don't know if it's like soul ties. I don't know if that has any like a biblical basis. I mean, I'm sure someone could think of something, but it, we we were just talking about like the idea around sex today. My friend made the idea. He talked about the idea that it's like transactional, and it's like I don't know if that's an accurate representation, but it's kind of just like this flippant. It does seem like it's a flippant thing. I don't know. It just seems like that with like views around pornography especially i don't know if it's like a growing thing but it does seem like some people now are like it's not a good idea but it does seem like for the most part like sex is kind of just this kind of just like a flipping thing and we were like mm-hmm. is that how it's supposed to be because it seems like that leads to a lot of like strife like you have people contemplating abortion you have people like broken relationships all these different things it seems like whenever you have a mindset that like sex is nothing big then it seems like whenever something big happens, it's like, I don't know how, like how can you expect not to get to that conclusion when the mindset seems like such a flippant thing? I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I think anything, whether it's sex or eating a meal together, uh, or, you know, I don't know. Um, even just like going on a walk together, these people, uh, two different people can have two very different views about the significance of it. Mm. And, um, and, and that can cause, uh, conflict or strife or pain or suffering if if it turns out that people saw it differently and it didn't go the way one party or the other thought it was going to or they didn't get what they expected out of it or what they wanted out of it um Mm. so i think it's important so what so with all of those things communication is key and essential yeah. and being open and honest and transparent with the other person about what you want out of the experience. And, um, when, when people are open and transparent, um, about sex, I think even, you know, casual sex can be an okay thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be good. It can be life giving for people. Um, it can also be terrible and, painful and destructive, but same goes for a lot of other human activities. Um, so, um, yeah, so I just, I think, I think communication is, you know, is at the heart of it. Yeah. Yeah. Seem like that would be a big theme because if you're both on the same, on the same mind, like the same page, then that can be avoided. But it seems like without yeah. Mary, I don't know if like, again, this is my, worldview coming in it's like it seems like if you're not married then like what's keeping you from holding on to that page and like what keeps you from turning it like if you don't want to be on that page anymore well nothing sure yeah even when you're married yeah that's a good point yeah i mean even when you're married that's that's true um so i mean there's no magic to marriage there's, there's no, that doesn't fundamentally change you either. That's another kind of, I feel like <clears throat> destructive idea that, 
uh, some Christians are raised with that, that there's yeah. something about getting married that like fundamentally changes you or the relationship and at like a metaphysical level you know uh, it doesn't yeah. it's still you it's yeah. still them it's still the same relationship yeah. uh, same with having a baby that doesn't mm. change your relationship doesn't change you as a person so you haven't seen yeah. like like getting married or having a baby, you don't, you haven't seen, I know you've probably seen like changes on like a, like you've gotten more mature, but you don't see, yeah. you don't see the similarities like that Christianity proposes in that you haven't seen those. Same I mean, it doesn't make things. you a fundamentally different person. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, and I don't think, you know, we got to be careful when we talk about what Christianity teaches. Cause I, you know, I'm talking about a very specific, narrow, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, fairly modern historic stream of mm. American fundamentalism mm. that is not representative of Christianity around the world or throughout history or even throughout the United States, you know? Mm. Um, but, um, I mean, there are, there are, you know, streams of Christianity traditions within Christianity that I think have a much healthier view of all of these things, mm. you know, just happens that it wasn't the one that I was raised in. Mm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think that, um, I don't think that any of those experiences, sex, marriage, or having a child, uh, in and of itself makes you different or better. Um, and so I think it's always a mistake. You know, occasionally you'll see people who will uh, be in a struggling, struggling relationship and they'll get married to try and fix the relationship or have a kid to try and fix the relationship. And yeah. It's like, or fix themselves or feel some <laughs> emptiness in themselves. And it's like, no, you're still going to be you. You're still going to be the same shitty person you were before. You still have the same shitty relationship. Mm. Now you just have all this paperwork to go along with it <laughs> and new that responsibility so and, you know, um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, it's, uh, yeah. I was I, at I church this weekend and, uh, yeah. this guy, the pastor was like, he said exactly what you're saying. He was like, people are stressed and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go get married. And it's like, dude, like, no, like that's not, <laughs> like, it doesn't fix it. And they're like, man, this marriage is hard. So let's have, let's have a kid. And it's like, what? It's like, man, that's not gonna. And like, I'm like, I'm coming from, I don't have this perspective, but it does seem like, like all these different, like I can see in my mind. I'm like, well, yeah, if I, if I have a, if I have a, like a wife, then I'm going to be happy. And it's like, Man, if yeah. I'm not ha- like it, that's not going to be the answer. No, if you're like not, that's answer. right. It's not. If you're not happy with yourself by yourself, you're not going to be happy yeah. with another person. <laughs> yeah. You're not. So yeah, yeah that's not going to fix anything. Um, yeah, and having you know, just like having sex is not going to fix anything. I think yeah. you know, as teenagers, we're like, God, if I just have sex, like that, yeah. that's going to, you know shift something in me and, um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to feel like, you know, a man or an adult or a more complete <laughs> yeah. person and, and you don't, 
And then yeah. you're like, what? That was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an interesting. That's what I think about. It's like, yeah. whenever like my friends and I will talk about like, why are we so drawn to pornography? And it's like, it's like you said, it's just to feel like to think that we're going to be a different person. Like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be complete or I'm going to be loved by, you know, the 30 pixels on the screen. Like that's not, it's never the answer, but it is a, it is an interesting idea. I think it's a true one that like, if you're like, if you're not satisfied alone, like what makes you think that, you know, pornography is going to fix it or drugs is going to fix it. Alcohol is going to fix it or like, a marriage is going to fix it. Like, it just seems like yeah. such a shallow answer to a deeper problem. But. Yeah, but it's not necessarily a problem that's driving you to that. That's mm. the thing. I don't think it's necessarily something wrong with you that makes you want to view not pornography. Wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but it's, it's a, a hole. It seems like it's a hole. Do you think it's a hole? To me, at least, that's me. You, it's are, like, you are looking for a hole for sure. Um, <laughs> I I don't know that it's even a an emptiness in you. It's just a, it's a biological compulsion because of what we are as human animals. We want to procreate. That's what we were designed to do, and so uh, we are designed to respond physically to certain mm. visual stimuli mm. and audio stimuli. Mm. And, um, and so we do, and we seek it out just like when we're hungry, we seek out food. Uh, when we're horny, we seek out sex. And if we can't get it with an actual person, you know, we'll try and find it on a screen so we can relieve ourselves that way and get rid of mm. that tension that builds up inside of us, you know? Mm. Um, that's not the devil. That's just, uh, you know, that's just your hormones. And, uh, and it's okay. Those, those um, you know, those are, those are natural and, uh, and wonderful and good. And um, then, why, you know. then why would you, then why not look at pornography? Like if it's like if it's just a natural biological function, like why not pornography? Well, I don't know if pornography is bad in all situations. Hmm. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Um, so why not my kids watch it? Well. Uh, or, or me watch it. Like if I'm in a, I, I'm, you know, I'm married. It would feel like a kind of betrayal. Okay. Uh, when yeah, I'm in a relationship, okay. you know, unless my partner was in on it, um, and okayed it, it would feel, yeah, it would feel like a betrayal, a, a type of cheating. Um, uh, but if you're not in a relationship, um, you know, I mean, I think like we talked about, I think it can develop habits of thinking mm. and feeling and a, a way of viewing, um, you know, if you're a straight man viewing women, um, mm. that is, uh, 
that could potentially be distortive and uh, destructive. And obviously, too, there's all kinds of problems with certain aspects of the pornography industry yeah. and how it undergirds a kind of certain view of women and mm-hmm. rape culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it can be very exploitative. Um, and so they're all, all of those factors to consider as well. Yeah. Um, but just viewing two naked people going at it or five naked people going at it. I don't know. <laughs> whatever you're into. Uh, in and of itself, I, I don't know that it's bad. You know, mm-hmm. if you were walking through the forest and you came across an orgy happening, like, mm-hmm. uh, would it be wrong to stand there and watch, see what happened? <laughs> Not necessarily. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's an interesting point. I mean, what if would you did, I will at the very least, the fact that you would probably want to watch definitely isn't wrong. Yeah. It's uh... that's an interesting yeah an idea. It's like there was a kid I knew. It was actually pretty. I'd never heard of the concept before. He was a student at my old school, and I had finished working there. But he played basketball with us, and we were talking about stuff. And he was like, "It's natural, not good." And that's an idea. That I was like, "Hmm, I got." It. But it is something that we have to separate because, like, like you said, you separate pornography whenever you're in a marriage. Like, it's natural for you to want to look at pornography as a man. But it's like, is it good because I have a wife or like yeah. I'm single and it's natural for me to want sex. Sure. Is it good for me to go have sex? Sure. With no protection. Like that's just yeah. the, it was an interesting question that he raised and it's yeah. definitely a deeper one than just the simple yes or no, but it is an interesting idea. Yeah. Not every natural urge should be indulged in the moment, you know, in any way. Mm-hmm. desire you know yeah there are moral questions that come into it um and so it, it is complicated but i don't think you'll i can give a, a a black or white answer and say that it's always bad to view pornography mm-hmm. or that it's always just fine you know mm-hmm. i think a lot depends on the pornography that's being viewed and who you are as a person and how often are viewing it and under what conditions and what relationships you're in and uh, all of that comes into play, you know? Yeah. But I think yeah, we, we want to give it just like, like a yes or no, black or white. Yeah. All pornography yeah. Yeah. is yeah. bad. Or on yeah. the other side, no, all pornography is just fine. View it as much as you want, mm. you know? Um, mm. I don't think yeah. either one of those are, are correct. It does seem like there are a lot of issues that, especially in Christianity, that, like, we, I want a yes or no answer. And, like, there are certain things where I do think there is yes or no answer, but, like, it's just, like, it's another thing that I, I heard from, uh, I was on this thing called a workaway in Hawaii where it's like you just go and do work for someone. And the guy was talking to me and he was saying, like, Christians can't even agree within themselves and it's like I don't really know how it ties back but it's like we I want black and white answers but even in within our own faith and it's I don't I don't think it's fair to say that it's pointless because like there's disagreements within even science but it doesn't make science avoid where like void 
or null concept. Like, it's still a fascinating idea. But yeah, it does seem like there are a lot of things where it's like, I want a yes or no answer, and we just can't get it. It's just not, it's not, it doesn't seem that simple, at least. Yeah. I mean, Jesus gave uh, very few yes or no answers. He asked a lot more questions than he gave answers. That is true. Yeah, that is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is, what do you think Jesus is? What do you think? Like now, so you've gone through, I mean, it sounds like you had this beginning, you had kind of a experience in college, then you kind of came back around as I think I remember us talking about, and then now you're just at a different point. It's like, who is, who do you think Jesus is? Do you think he was a real person? Do you think he was just a good guy? What do you think? I definitely think Jesus was a real person. Mm. Um, Possibly is a real person. Uh I, I don't know. Jesus is a mystery. Uh, a, a, a one that's still very attractive and intriguing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I could so, say okay. much more than that. So you, okay. I want to walk through that change too. So you went through college and said, you said like you kind of stopped going at the beginning of college and then you're like later I came back to it. And so you come back and then you come back, like you go to Duke, right? Isn't that, you came to Duke for divinity school. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then what? Um, like then what, as far as like how my faith developed or what? Yeah. In that way. Life? But also just as a person. Yeah. Like, so you, so you have like, well, I, after, I know we had some crazy things. Yeah. A lot happened after Duke. Um, uh, moved back to Texas for a couple of years, um, worked in the nonprofit, uh, um, for a couple of different nonprofits. And then, um, my marriage started to fall apart and moved back to North Carolina, um, to kind of get a fresh start and hopefully save the marriage. It didn't. Um, so got divorced about a year later and um, started doing stand-up and uh, yeah. So um, I mean, I've been doing stand-up for seven years now um, and that was a, uh, that, was, that was a big, big shift in my life in a lot of ways. I mean, um, Obviously, the most fundamental relationship in my life was no longer there. I uh, became a single dad yeah. of four. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, um, I stopped going to church. Uh, mm. I was no longer, I had been kind of preaching somewhat, kind of semi-regularly, stopped doing that. Kind of shifted my creative uh, energies into doing, learning how to do stand up, And, uh, that kind of became the center of my kind of community, uh, was, was the standup scene in, uh, Raleigh and Durham and Chapel Hill. That's where I started making a lot of my friends and, um, mm-hmm. just spending most of my time when I wasn't with my kids or working or whatever. So, 
So yeah, so those are big shifts, and uh, and there was a, a shift in my faith that went along with it, and um, yeah, uh, you know, I feel I have a much looser hold on uh, any kind of concrete um, set of doctrines. Uh, mm. I, I, I've I'm have a lot more questions than answers about uh, everything that has to do with, uh, with God. And, um, but I wouldn't say that, um, I am an atheist, uh, on most days. I don't know. Most days. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it feels like it's a, there's a lot of flux hmm. there. So, um, I, you know, just try to stay open and, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, I do feel grateful for my life and that I owe that to something greater than me. And, um, Hmm. you know, I think, uh, I do think love is, uh, uh, is really at some level, what is the most important thing and, um, is at the center of it all. And, uh, so I, I, I don't know that I could give it much more definition than that right yeah. now. Yeah, no, I get you. So like it's a it's definitely a different like, you know, people have their entrances and a stand up, but coming from like a divorce, like it doesn't seem like that wouldn't that doesn't seem to me like a common way, but it like I could see myself, you know, going through that and being like, I'm just gonna kinda sulk and stay down. But it's like comedy was kinda your answer. Like that was your relief in a way is that true um yeah i mean it gave me a sense of purpose and yeah. uh, direction and um just something to do with this time that i all of a sudden had yeah you know the, on the weeks that my kids would be at their moms you know i all of a sudden had all this time mm-hmm. um and uh yeah, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, stand-up uh, had been helpful to me during uh, kind of going through the divorce, just finding some, you know, a little bit of joy and lightness in a very hard and dark time. Yeah. And uh, so I was I was watching a lot of stand-up, and then um, uh, I don't remember exactly how I got it into my mind that I wanted to try stand up. Yeah. But at some point I Googled, uh, stand up comedy, Chapel Hill or something like that. And, uh, this old club is no longer there on Franklin street came up and, uh, they were advertising an open mic on their website. So I went and I watched and I was like, Oh, that was pretty cool. It was not as scary as it, as I thought. And, uh, you know, I left thinking, 
I mean, I want to try it, and I know I could be at least as good as a lot of these people. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is how a lot of people start. Yeah. Um, you know, the best way to get started in stand-up is just go to an open mic. And uh, um, and so, yeah, so I came back, like, the next week with a little bit of material and went up. That's and, so cool. uh, and just never really stopped. Yeah. Okay, so, so fast forward to now. I was curious. So I was watching the, the special, and it's like, personally, like, I struggle with, like, you know, insecurity and, like, like if I bombed, man, I, I would be like, oh, I don't want to do this again. Like, what is so you do that special? I thought you did really well. I mean, people were laughing. I, I mean, I literally every one of the bits, I was just like, man, that was good. Like that was funny. And but like on the days, I just can't imagine the swing between the high, like you, everyone's laughing, everyone's dying, and then the low. Like you were yeah. telling me how you had to drive like three hours back after bombing. Like, what is that swing of emotions? Mike, it's terrible. It's, uh, it's a, it's, um, it's a, it's a, it is a kind of mental illness. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really bad for you. It hurts a lot. It's definitely, it's just not healthy. Interesting. Um, But it's the only way. It's the only way to get good. Like, uh, every one of those jokes, you know, uh, on the special came out of, you know, hundreds of bombs, mm. you know, there's just no way to learn stand up and to figure out what's funny, except to try stuff and take a lot of risks yeah. and have a lot of them fail. And, um, <laughs> And yeah, that's why, you know, most, most people don't do stand up for very long because it's, um, you know, because they have a low pain tolerance or they just have enough, uh, self-worth and dignity and, uh, and mental health to realize that this is uh this is a terrible thing to do to myself. Uh, (laughs) and they, they leave the relationship. Um, yeah, but you know, I've stuck it out for whatever reason and it does get better. I mean, um, it's a lot more fun more often now yeah. Yeah, than it yeah, was at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I'll, I'll still, you never stop. I mean, even the best comics still bomb because yeah. that's how you work out new material, you know? Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Do you, uh, oh, we kind of talked about this before, but. We were, I was listening to that Joe Rogan, Eliza, and then she, we talked about it, but it was like, she had like a team, or it was kind of, or it was like Chris Rock had a team of people, and you were kind of saying you had a team, like, do you have a team like that currently that you're working with where they're watching your content and you're refining and purifying and making it better? Yeah, I mean, I still have friends in the scene yeah. that, you know, will show up at the same open mics and we'll, we'll give feedback, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, and that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge. Like having friends in this business because the, you know, they really help, uh, help you when, when it, when it is really painful, you know, cause they know what it's like and, yeah. you know, they've, they've been there 
you know? Yeah. And so, um, you can kind of hold each other up and, uh, you know, um, yeah, just remind each other that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, that pain is temporary, you yeah. know, and, uh, you're still, you're still funny and, um, you know, <laughs> you don't quit. Funny. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think everyone who makes it in this or continues to do it for a long period of time has a group of friends that they rely on and, and do it with, you know, because um, yeah. it's a very lonely thing in general, stand up. It's a lot of it, which is why it attracts a lot of loners and a lot mm-hmm. of introverts, I think, because, you know, you spend a lot of time driving or sitting alone in hotel rooms and, you know, um, so I think it's essential to have, you know, at least, at least a few really good friends who do it as well. So know what it's like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So looking in the future, is there a point that you're pushing for? Like, is there like a, Oh, I mean, I just want to make Like I want to make a Netflix special. Like I want to get like a big, I don't know if there's like record deals, but like, is there something in your mind where you just like, I just want to keep making jokes. And if I get good, you know, if I, I just, get on Netflix, I do. Yeah. I've, my approach has been like, I'm reluctant to set goals that are in other people's control. Hmm. Uh, and so most of my goals in standup are internal. That's a good one. Like I, I want to keep getting better at saying the things that I want to say the way that I want to say them mm-hmm. in a way that makes people laugh. Yeah. And I know I'm not, I'm not there yet. Mm. Um, um, still have a lot, uh, a lot of room to grow and improve, uh, and just, and figure this out. Um, I would eventually like to do it, you know, I think full time, uh, as my job, uh, and, you know, be able to support myself and my family off of it. Yeah. Uh, but that's a long road, you know, and most people never do, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, uh, I'm excited. I think I, I thought, man, I don't know if you never have any other fans. Like I thought you, I think you're a funny guy. I love watching your stuff. I, I appreciate it, man. I think it's good. But yeah, um, cool. I know you have a time limit, but the last thing that me and my friend, we were like, we always want to ask people is like, what do you think? Like, what do you think? We kind of talked about it a little bit. Like, what do you think is the point of us? What is the point of, what is the point of this all? Like, what's the point? Of life. And everything? Yeah, this is small as I don't know how long you can do it, but I don't know. It's yeah, it's a deep, deep, deep answer, but I'm just curious to hear what people think about. That. I'm gonna go with love, man. I'm gonna go with love. I hope that's it. I think that's, <laughs> I hope it. that's it too. And I and I hope that's it. I I, I I I think I think love really is at the root of of everything. Um, everything good, and the lack of love at the root of everything bad. And, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, speaking of that, I just finished watching the, um, the Fred Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that, but I have, you know, I've seen it with the trailer. Highly, highly recommend. All right. Fred yeah. Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Yeah. Is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
and he's on the love train too. So uh, I, I think it's a it's a beautiful documentary. He was a beautiful human being and uh, really inspired me. Um, and uh, I think it's a great. I think it's great. I think especially for men. I think it's. Uh, I think his his way of living gentleness and kindness as a man. Uh, it really, uh, it really fucked with people. They didn't know what to make of him, like other men. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people thought he was gay. Mm. And because they didn't know how to, how do you process a man who behaves this way? Yeah. He must be gay, right? Yeah. He got that his whole life. And, uh, one of his best friends from the show, um, the man who played the police officer is in fact gay. And he was like, you know, Mr. Rogers was not. He was just, uh, you know, a singular, unique individual uh, who, you know, genuinely loved people yeah. and and uh, accepted people as they were. And uh, people just don't know what to do with it. You know, we call people like that gay yeah. or we kill them. Mm. Or both. <laughs> so, All right. yeah. I like so. that. All right. It was good talking to you, Jeremy. Thank you for coming. All right, on. man. You too, Cole. Thanks for having me.